a behind-the-scenes look at how to reach financial independence with Doug Nordman. And hint, it is not about knowing investing like the back of your hand. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. Bienvenida. Welcome, welcome. I am excited to have you here. If you are back, thank you so much for coming back. If this is your first time listening, I am thrilled that you are here. This is Jen Hempel, your host. Today, we're going to talk about financial independence. And we're going to be talking about financial independence with a person who has done it, who has been there, who has achieved it. He is humble, he is intelligent, and you are going to love him. In this episode, you are going to learn the definition of financial independence as in terms of what it means to him and some common misconceptions behind it. You're going to learn how he reached financial independence in less than 20 years. You're going to also learn his recommendations to achieve it and why it is important to know the difference between frugality and deprivation, because that all affects your journey towards financial independence. And you're also going to get a behind-the-scenes look at what his typical day looks like in being financially independent. Let me share with you a little bit about Doug Nordman. Doug is a retired submariner and author of The Military Guide to Financial Independence in retirement. All of his writing revenue is donated to military-friendly charities. He and his spouse, a retired Navy reservist, have lived in Oahu for over 28 years and have enjoyed financial independence for over 16 years. Their daughter and son-in-law are also both in the Navy on active duty. Lista? You ready? Vamos a conocer a Doug. Let's go meet Doug. Bienvenido, Doug Norman. I'm excited and thrilled to have you here today. Thanks, Jen. I've enjoyed listening to the last few episodes. Oh, so glad to hear that. Now, you are someone I've been wanting to talk to and have on this podcast for a while. We've talked about it, and we are finally got you on. And you have accomplished so much. And one of the things that you have accomplished is financial independence. And we would... I know I would love to know more about that. Those listening want to learn more about financial independence. So how did you reach financial independence? Or maybe we should start off what you defined, what financial independence is. I, I know there's a lot of misses, misimpressions on exactly what financial independence means. And some people feel like you have to completely retire and sit in the front porch in a rocking chair and just kind of rust <laughs> in place. You don't do that. Or, no, no. And, and the other side of it, too, is people think, well, I can never work again. I can never earn another dollar. If I if I do anything like that, then then the Internet retirement police are going to come after me and say I'm not really retired. 
but uh, the, the new words, I guess, financial independence, give people more flexibility to feel more comfortable with the concept. And to me, financial independence is all about choices and having more control over your time. Love it. And you definitely have control over your time and your lifestyle. You love to surf. <laughs> and Absolutely. you love to travel the world. So how did you reach this stage of financial independence? It, uh, it was not done by being a brilliant investor. And it turns out that the most important part of reaching financial independence is being able to maintain a high savings rate. If you can save a high amount of your income and keep building that and letting it compound in, a, in an asset allocation that beats inflation, then you're going to reach financial independence. And the more you can save, the faster you'll get there. Uh, in our case, a 40% savings rate, 40% of your, your gross income. Uh, for 20 years will get you to financial independence, even if you don't have a pension or social security or any other outside income. So 40% of your income saving towards investment. So let's just clarify that putting into a savings account in the bank uh, that doesn't earn a lot of interest, but literally in investments. And so how long did it take you? Because you're prior military, so definitely thanks. thank you for your service. How long did it thanks take you? <laughs> Absolutely. As a military spouse, you know, I support veterans. And how long did it take you to reach this financial independence? Because you say 40% of your income. So did it take you the 20 years? We, we made it a little faster than that. Okay. And when you're just starting out in your career, of course, you're not able to immediately start saving 40% of everything. There's, there's a period in your 20s right after college or right after high school when you're probably spending a lot to get set up in life. And it takes a little while to get some income and some savings to pay off debt and acquire the things you think you need for your life before you're really ready to get serious about saving. But in our case, we reached 40% a couple of years after college and uh, 17 wow. years later, we'd reached financial independence. Now, at the time we reached financial independence in 1999, that was the peak of the internet era and I'm probably 40 million people reached financial independence that year. But uh, the high savings rate is what does all the work for you. Right. So basically... And being financial independent, you were also mentioning uh, before that it doesn't mean that you can't go back to work and those type of things. So is when you're, you're living financially independent now, you do other things as well to earn money, correct? Or is it just are you solely living on the investments that have been growing over time? Well, we've been financially independent uh, since I retired from active duty in 2002, and we started spending money from our investments. We started withdrawing money like the 4% safe withdrawal rate lets you do. And mm -hmm. over the years, our investments have grown to the point where we're not withdrawing 4% anymore. It's more like 2 to 3%. Oh, wow. And it's actually, yeah, it's actually become self-sustaining because the dividend rate of the stock market is about 2%. And research indicates that 3% of a, an investment portfolio will probably last longer than I do, so I don't have to worry about outliving my money. However, the uh, things that you do once you retire, you can pursue a passion, pursue an interest. And in my case, the biggest one has turned out to be writing. I enjoy writing and I enjoy blogging, and we've made some money from that. But also, I've been donating all of that revenue to military-friendly charities. All the money I earn from writing goes to a Wounded Warrior Project and Fisher House Foundation. And so wow. you can actually, well, it does work out nicely, though, when you do reach financial independence to have that flexibility. 
knowing that if you encounter a bear market or if something happens to some part of your investments or you come across a large expense, you can still go and earn a little bit of income. You can still tide yourself over during a recession. You can still find ways to change your spending behavior to get you through the rough patches of a, of a financial independence era. And after 10 or 20 years of that, the risks of needing to deal with the stock market or with the recessions, that, that pretty much goes away because you figured out what you're going to spend your money on and your investments have largely been growing during the last 10 or 20 years of your financial independence. Right. Now, you had mentioned writing, and I have to bring this up because when I met you, I was like, you're the one. <laughs> so those of you listening... You like, you like the way I fed you that line? <laughs> <laughs> so those of you listening that are military, you've been, you know, whether Army, Air Force, you've been on a post, on a base, and in we're Air Force, or uh, my husband and I are Air Force, so and the Airmen in Readiness uh, offices, I would see the military guide on there. And then years later, I met Doug and I'm like, whoa, I tied the two together. You are the one who wrote that. That is so, so cool. So I had to bring that up. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I really appreciate that. I like being able to see the book show up all over the world because I, I tell people after they're done with it to pass it on to a shipmate or a wingman or to donate it to a library. Right. And for And it says a lot that there that military installations have them in the airmen and readiness uh, offices and the uh, equivalents and the and army posts and everything because it is such a valuable resource so it says a lot that because you know it, there's a lot of red tape <laughs> uh, it's, it's, in the military it's, it's right. so for you to for them to share that uh, with our military members is fantastic that says a lot about you Thank you. And, and I will tell you on a practical note, when uh, your book is out there and your publisher is trying to figure out where to put it, your publisher should look at getting it into the government's General Services Administration catalog, the GSA catalog. If uh, oh. you can get that, to, oh, if you can do that, then the people at military commands can spend government money to buy the materials for their people that they're supporting. And, and you want them to do that, right? I mean, you want to spend some government money to have that at your family support center and help people understand your approach to money. That is a great tip. Thank you. I'm writing this down for sure. I appreciate that. What would you say is the best way to reach financial independence? The, so you mentioned savings. Right. The best way is to start with just tracking your money and make sure you understand where every dollar goes. And when I tell people to track their expenses, what I mean is to find a way that works for them. I don't mean going out and setting up a, a huge software program or a great big complicated spreadsheet or hiring somebody. All I'm asking is that you track where your money goes for a couple of months and you can do that on a smartphone or with pencil and paper, whatever works for you in your daily life. And after a couple of months, you'll have built up a record that you can go back and look at and see where your money has been going. And you'll figure out that there are some spending decisions you made that you probably in retrospect wish you hadn't spent the money on. You'll, you'll find some waste. And whenever you find that waste, you try to figure out if that's really something you value. If you value the way you've been spending your money, then you're probably willing to stay in the workforce to earn the money to pay for it. But if you feel you've been wasting your money, then you're going to stop wasting it and you're going to put that money toward a better use. You're going to put the dollars towards paying off consumer debt or maybe paying off your student loans and then starting to put money into savings and investing. Before we continue, I wanted to take a moment to share with you a little bit about our partners, FabFitFun, who are sponsoring this week's episode. 
FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not always a fan of subscription boxes, but when it is seasonal, they don't give you just samples of products. And these products include quality brands like Kate Somerville for skincare items or Rachel Pally for fashion items and Moroccan oil for beauty products. It is like treating yourself and self-care all on a budget. And if you use the code HERMONEY over at fabfitfun.com, you will get $10 off. Now, FYI, they sell out fast, so you can just mosey on over to FabFitFun and use the code HERMONEY. And also for fun, just try saying FabFitFun five times fast. And once I receive my summer box, I will be sharing it with you on Instagram. So stay tuned. Now let's get back to the show. You put it in a way that makes it seem so easy, right? Yet there are some people that are somehow won't reach it as quickly. So how, what motivated you? What kept you on track to, uh, for that, for saving that 40% that you were saving. So what, what was on your mind? What motivated just to continue doing that and not maybe save 40% one month or a few months and then stop? Was there some, a motivator behind it? Oh, you raise a very good point because initially you really can't tell the difference. You can tell that you're putting away 40% of your savings in every month, but you can't really feel it growing and compounding like you can when you get near the end of the process. And so in the early years, it's kind of hard to figure out why you're doing this. And the other side of it too is that your money is compounding and it compounds exponentially. But at the very beginning of that exponential compounding, the slope is pretty flat. And we human beings suck at estimating compound growth of an exponential curve, right? So it's not easy. (laughs) No, and it does get discouraging too, because there's many other things that you might want to spend that money on instead of keeping it, putting 40% into savings. And that's a goal. And, And I tell my military readers that you understand the difference between frugality and deprivation. Uh, And the difference is that when you're being frugal, you feel challenged and fulfilled. You've made a goal, you're saving for financial independence, or you're saving to pay off your debt. It might be a short-term goal to get out of a certain credit card debt, or it might be the long-term goal of financial independence. But whatever that goal is, you feel challenged and fulfilled by it. And then on the other side of that is deprivation. You've started saving too much money. You're not doing the things you enjoy anymore. You have begun putting money aside for some goal that seemed like a good idea at the time, but now you no longer feel so challenged and fulfilled. And maybe you're, maybe you're even beginning to feel a little burned out. And that's where you've crossed the line from frugality to deprivation. The advantage of being in the military or being a military family is that you know all about that line between frugality and deprivation, and you've probably spent your share of time on the wrong side of that line. So at least you're self-aware and being able to figure out how that high savings rate is going to pay off for you. And that gives you the the motivation, that gives you the persistence, that gives you the tenacity to keep on going. And that's the other thing that military families are very good at, right? Right, right. So I'm glad you brought up that difference between frugality and deprivation because when it comes to saving more money or budgeting or just spending or spending less on things that maybe aren't as important, we tend to think we're depriving ourselves, right? So, and I think that's where a lot of people go is that, especially when it comes to budgeting, oh no, it's it restricts me too much when budgeting oh, yeah. is just a plan. 
So I love that you brought that up because you have to look at yourself and think to your, and really it's not about what others are telling you to do and how to do it, but it's really looking at yourself, right? And knowing yourself because you, you instinctively know if you're being frugal or if you've gone too far, right? You know, you're absolutely right. And the only person you're competing with is yourself. And if if you're in your family, well, you're trying to win at the family game of life. And so that's where the challenge and the fulfillment comes from. And, and I will admit that in early years of your career, it's hard to have enough money to maximize your savings rate, get up to that 40% threshold or even higher if you wanted to. But it does get easier as you stick around in the military. Once you've gotten a couple of annual pay raises or mm-hmm. you go over that two-year longevity boost or you get a promotion. And the advantages of those is that you can put all that money. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. To raising your savings rate even higher, but I do tell people that you shouldn't feel like you have to put every penny of a promotion or a pay raise into savings and investment. Give yourself a little victory lap. Try to put, you know, maybe 80 to 90% of that money away, but give yourself a little bit, not for big lifestyle expansion. Don't want to get on that hedonic trend bill and find yourself keeping up with the Joneses, but maybe it is time to upgrade some minor part of your life that will help you feel challenged and fulfilled and keep you going. Right. Cause I know my husband and I have made that mistake of him getting promoted <laughs> and upgrading our oh, lifestyle, yeah. right? So we've been there, done that. But you're right, it does get easier as time goes uh, to save more. Uh, It's a matter of really being clear as to not just the money that you're spending. Uh, And sometimes we just don't even take that time. So as long as you have that clarity, (laughs) you know that there's money there, right? You have that clarity and and you can find it. And absolutely. And it it doesn't have to be a hardcore 40% either. There might be times in your life where you're just not able to save 40% for whatever reason. Maybe you both had jobs at one point during one duty station and then you transfer and life is chaotic for another six or 12 months and you just don't get around to having that dual income that makes a 40% savings rate easy. Or maybe something's happening and you're just not able to save 40% even on one income. I can understand that there's going to be setbacks. But even saving 30% will take a little longer to reach financial independence. But again, once you get to that that tripwire where you see you're financially independent, then you can start making those choices about how you're going to spend your life. Maybe you won't go cold turkey and completely stop working, but maybe you'll certainly be able to negotiate a part-time job or work from a remote location or independently, and you'll be able to cut back on your hours. Right, right. Absolutely. And you brought that the point that you brought up too is that you have to know what stage in life you are you are in, what season of life, if you will, that you're in. And if you can only save 20%, do that. And then as maybe you reach another season of your life where things are better financially, you can increase that because this is your journey. And like you said, Doug, earlier, is that don't want to compare yourself to anybody else. You're just in competition just with you. So I love that. Would you recommend people that aren't currently in the military to join the military to get to financial independence? Are you asking if somebody should join the military to get rich? (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious. As you progress, right, in the military, if you stay Uh long enough, if you do your job, you're basically getting promoted as you go, right? Because it worked for you, right? It worked in your favor to get financially independent. That part is perfectly true. And and I tell people that when you see me living the life of financial independence on the other side of being in the military, to not 
look at that and say, oh, well, anybody could do it. Clearly, anybody has the ability to do it. If he could do it, I know I could do it. Part of that problem is that you're only seeing the people that win at having a military career and reaching retirement or reaching financial independence. And so you don't see the other people who don't get to that point in their lives. Uh, I will say that the math works the same for military and civilians. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have anything special to do with military benefits or military pay or any of that. It's a high savings rate. And once you reach financial independence, it's also about the asset allocation. And you know that, you know, 20 years of a military career in active duty or in the reserves of the National Guard will give you some pension income. But if you're saving that 40 percent for less than 20 years, you don't even need the pension. And if you're a civilian, maybe your career field doesn't even have pensions in it anymore. On the other hand, you can still make yourself a pension of your own by investing in an annuity that'll give you some money every month. And for many people, maybe the only annuity they'll ever need is Social Security. Mm. So all those things, all the math works for civilians just as well as it does for military. I would say that the reason you join a military is just the same reason that you pursue any other career in your life. It's because you feel like you have a good sense of purpose. Uh, Maybe you're tackling a mission that's important to you or you feel like you're joining a team and you can push yourself and get things done more than you ever thought possible. You're joining uh, some amazing people who make that team work and do things that you never would have expected any of you to be able to do individually. Or maybe you just find it fun at, at some point or another. I know that I thought running a nuclear reactor on a submarine was a hard job. But once I got in there and started working with the team, I also found that that once we could figure out what we needed to do and make things happen, that, that was actually quite rewarding as, as well as a little bit of fun along the way. I won't say that we were throwing parties back in the engine room all the time I was on submarines, but we did manage to have our share of fun and enjoyable times. And so that's why you join the military. It's the same thing with saving for financial independence is that you still find it challenging and fulfilling. I, I tell all my listeners and all my readers that when you're in the military, if you enjoy what you're doing, it's challenging, it's fulfilling, then stay on active duty as long as you're having that fun. But Absolutely. when that fun stops, uh, then it's time to think about going to the reserves of the National Guard. And, and I suggest going to those parts of the service, the reserves of the National Guard, because you can still keep most of the good stuff that you enjoy about being in the military. And you can get rid of most of the stuff that's not so much fun about being on active duty. It's not the miracle solution for everybody. But if you're not having fun on active duty, it's time to make a change. And going to the reserves or the Guard is a good intermediate step toward deciding whether you want to get completely out of the military or whether you can get to your 20 years and get some kind of a pension another way. Absolutely. So now I'm curious, being Uh that you're financially independent, I know you surf. (laughs) I know you travel. What other things do you do throughout the day? Well, the question I get all the time is, what are you going to do all day? Right. And then the whole problem is there's this vastness of time stretching out in front of you. And if you've been working a 40-hour work week, plus all the time involved with commuting to work and getting home from work and getting around work and running errands on a weekend, suddenly you realize you're going to get back over a third of your life that you've been spending in a workplace or in commuting. And that seems like a huge amount of time. But the answer is when you're financially independent and you stop working for a paycheck and you stop working for somebody else, now you're responsible for your own entertainment. And that's a major part of adulting. Mm -hmm. But when you're responsible for your own entertainment, you're still going to have your your, your regular life to live. You're still going to have to do chores. You're still going to have to do yard work. You're still going to have to shop for groceries and clean things. That part, that part really doesn't go away uh, unless you're willing to work for having maids and butlers and a staff. I was going to say you don't have a chef. No, no? I, I have, I have right, right now our chef is, you know, the, uh, the frozen microwave dinner kind of an option. 
But but I will say that those are the things that you have to decide if you're willing to work for. Maybe if you want to hire a chef or have some kind of food delivery service, then you're willing to stay in the workplace for another year or two. And, and that depends. And if you find it challenging, fulfilling to cook, well, you're going to get financial independence a lot faster because that spends a lot less money. But we also have time to pursue the things we enjoy doing. And I spend uh, what most people would regard as an outrageously long amount of time every day writing and reading. I really enjoy it. I enjoy getting on the Internet to see what's going on. I enjoy writing a blog post. I enjoy working on answering a reader question or trying to figure out how I'm going to put some concept into a book chapter. And to me, it's a challenge. And it's still that fulfilling stage. It's been there for 15 years now. And I keep doing that and come, keep coming up with uh, other ideas and other things <laughs> I want to work on. Well, there you go. You know, you're, you're a writer, but the big problem now is you lack focus. And that's my problem. So then there's always surfing. I really enjoy the challenge of going out there in the ocean and figuring out how the waves are going to react and how I'm going to handle them. And that starts out at a very basic level, but you keep getting better and better at surfing. And you keep trying more and more stuff and you keep trying to improve your skills. And again, you're never competing with anybody out there on the ocean. You're just trying to do the best you can do with yourself. Right, right. Absolutely. I love that. And I love how giving you are uh, because, yes, you're financially independent and you 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 could be enter- or entertaining yourself or keeping yourself busy with like the things that you do now, but you also take time to write on your blog post to serve others as well. And I think that's just fantastic. And on top of that, uh, for the book uh, that you have and the monies that come in that you completely donate, I mean, I just, I, I think that's fantastic. And it says so Thank much you. about you. I, I do enjoy doing it. And I do enjoy talking with people and people are much more willing to talk with you and help you figure out the answers to questions to the, if you've been giving the money away to charity. And frankly, there's also a crowd out there who's a little suspicious of whether or not you really are financially independent. If they have to buy an $8 book to figure out whether or not you're financially independent, that might give them the wrong impression. But knowing that I'm essentially doing this for free, I have enough money and I can spend my time the way I want to, that helps improve the credibility a little bit. And I think people are a little less skeptical, a little less suspicious once they realize that the money's going to charity. Love it. Love it. Well, Doug, this has been fantastic. I have really enjoyed our talk here today and I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Jen. I really enjoy it and I'm looking forward to hearing it live. (laughs) Wasn't Doug amazing? I really, really enjoyed talking to him, learning from him. He's Definitely super smart, definitely a person, especially if you're in the military, considering the military or retired military, you know, retired from the military, follow him. Definitely. He's got so much insight, uh, from experience, from just as you, as you heard, he loves to read. I would definitely just look at his website, which I'll link up in the show notes. Uh, now we'll talk a little bit more about the interview, but before I wanted to do La Mención Semanal, the weekly shout out. And this week I want to give some special recognitions to several ladies who recently just jumped in and helped one of our community members, Lauren, when she had a question. Uh, so I want to thank you, thank uh, Victoria, Norma, Christina, Brittany, Jenny, Annette, Natalia, and Araceli. Thank you so much, ladies. I love, love this aspect of our community and the support. Uh, asking for support and supporting others is what makes this a beautiful space. So 
thank you for chiming in. Thank you, Lauren, for reaching out for support. I hope and I encourage you that you ladies continue to do so. Now, back to the interview. In the show, I absolutely loved how Doug mentioned that he didn't get to financial independence by being a brilliant investor. Those were his words, right? But rather, he got to it by saving at a high rate. For him, that was 40% of his gross income. He also stipulated that this uh, savings, uh, this the money that you're investing, putting away, being an asset allocation that beats inflation. So if the fear if there's fear that's holding you back from not maybe you don't feel like you know enough about investing and that fear is stopping you from putting some money away, from saving, from investing, I hope that the talk with Doug today eased your fear. All you need to do, I shouldn't say all, because depending on where you're at, but you need to, it, it, it varies a little bit, but you do need to figure out the percentage of your money that you can invest. Granted, he was putting away 40% of his gross income, but if you're not there at this point, start where you are. Instead of not do, it's better to do something than nothing, right? So 10% is better than 0%. So start where you're, you're at and also talk to a financial planner. So I hope this talk was helpful to you. I hope this chat with Doug was helpful for, helpful for you because I really, really encourage you that if you're not putting away, if you're in terms of savings uh, and putting a, investing for the long term, because maybe you have fe- some sort of fear holding you back because you don't feel like you know enough about investing, I hope that you start doing so now. It's so important as women, this fear of not knowing investing is holding us back. So I encourage you, I really, really, really encourage you that if you haven't started putting money away, I know there's many of you that are listening to uh, to those podcasts that are, but for those of you that aren't, start where you're at. For those of you that have already started investing, I challenge you to see how much more can you increase that percentage that you're investing at this point, okay? So again, I hope that you have found that helpful. If you are part of the military, if you're a veteran, a military spouse, or if you know someone who is, I highly recommend that, as I mentioned earlier, you um, keep Doug's website that's called themilitaryguide.com handy. I will link it in the show notes. He is a true wealth of information, so I can't recommend it enough. Now, if the thought of financial independence, even after listening to Doug talk, if it's still scary for you, let my daily money ritual help you and guide you in finding that root of the fear, of that fear. It's a simple worksheet that literally helps you regroup your financial life. Now, quick disclosure, it's not a worksheet that you fill in and it will automatically tell you the root of the problem. You do have to do some self-reflection and that comes from writing the fears that you're feeling and where they're coming from and really digging deep and asking why and why and why until you really uh, feel good with the answers. And so you have to make the time to do the work. But 
I do have a free copy waiting for you over at jenhempill.com forward slash ritual. Next week, we will talk to Andy Wang about investing for the long term. So we're going to continue the talk about investing. Uh, and he's going to uh, share with us why it is important to check the financial weather, what he means by that. And he's also going to share a key word you need to keep in mind when looking at your portfolio, meaning the say, the money, where your, where your money is going that you're investing. That is a wrap for today. I want to thank Doug, for joining us, for sharing all that you shared, Doug. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Be sure to check out the show notes on where to find Doug or simply go to his website uh, over at jenhempill.com forward slash 143. Also, don't forget, if you love this episode, please do share it with a friend, family member, hey, stranger, (laughs) it's all good. I really would appreciate that. It helps not just grow the podcast, which yes, that's exciting, but it's going to help that person that is needing to, it's needing to hear the message that we talk about today. So thanks again for joining me and I will talk to you next Thursday. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves.